How are you guys doing? This is David at the Life Jacket in the Ocean podcast, and today I'm going to be doing a two-for-one special. I have an assignment I need to do, and I have a podcast I need to do, so we're going to make this one educational today. So, we are deciding to talk about today the exploration into the cultural impact of the Korean War on both African Americans and Koreans. So, we're going to look into some unexpected connections between Korean fried chicken and African-American GI stationed in Korea during the conflict. And you're going to find out that those unexpected connections are going to lead to a massive wave of historical and social reform, as well as newfound traditions on both sides. So feel free to dive in with me and enjoy the plate that I'm offering you today. So in the beginning of my research, I got some insights from a Yuri and Korean fried chicken in Yuri shop in Carrollton, Texas. Um, On their website, they have some information about the history of Korean fried chicken. And that fascinating history led me to better understand how this cultural dish became almost a dish that could end racism in a way. So the Korean fried chicken, which I had learned in my research, is known as KFC. I know shocking, right? Because we have KFC. Well, it's a global sensation. Korean fried chicken is loved throughout the world. There's so many methods to preparing it, so many different styles. And one of the most enjoyed methods is their Korean fried candied chicken, which is like this crispy chicken with a very sweet sauce on it. It's, it's super delicious. I actually got to try some in doing my research. I went out and found some. So what we're going to find out is that the roots of korean fried chicken start with a history long long ago in the korean war see koreans had a love for chicken already but the chicken would undergo a transformative change due to their interaction with african-american gis now you got to understand how we got here so Alton Brown, who is a super renowned food critic, chef, culinary delight. I was doing my research and I found that on Iron Chef Quest for an Iron Legend, he had pointed out that African-American GI stationed in Korea after World War II likely taught Koreans how to make the art of fried chicken or how how to make fried chicken as an art. And one of the biggest reasons this theory works is because fried chicken only pops up later after the Korean War in mass. And this is the same period in which African-American GIs have been stationed there. So the theory suggests that during the Korean War, African-American soldiers wanting to celebrate American Thanksgiving shared the joy of fried chicken with their Korean counterparts. See, a lot of people who were African-American soldiers were not going over there to fight for malicious intent. They were not fighting for land, home, country, and patrioticness. A lot of them were fighting to, due to poverty. A lot of them were fighting to get more respect. A lot of them were fighting for citizenship. And due to that, They did not harbor ill will towards the people that they were fighting, nor did they harbor ill will towards people beside them who looked like the people were fighting. And this is, um, you know, it's an interesting point to note because, you know, in a juxtaposition of that during the Japanese situation, you saw how America handled Japanese citizens who were not even involved in the war, throwing them in internment camps. And I think there's a cultural difference in how the African-American GIs viewed the Koreans versus how the non-African-American GIs viewed the Koreans. But follow with me and start to understand better the impact that this culinary exchange had. So before it was fried, chicken in Korea was actually served almost always boiled in stews like Samyang Tang, 
Fried chicken was almost an entirely new experience described by a Korean tank driver as a taste of heaven. Real quotes that I found right there. It was an instant hit, forever changing the way Koreans enjoyed chicken. The thing was, Samyang Tang was the main way they had their chicken. I might be mispronouncing that. I tried to get it. But they did have things similar to Korean fried chicken. And one of those things that they had similar to Korean fried chicken was poye. See, poye is a stir frying chicken. And while it is fried, it, it is nothing like that battered, golden, deep fried Korean chicken that we have known today. It's a departure from the tradition of poye. Poye preparation includes stir frying chicken and then continue to cook it uncovered with flour and seasoning until the skin became crisp. Now, you gotta peep the dots. The Korean War we discussed earlier played a crucial role in the integration of the U.S. military. Gerald Early highlighted how the successful integration of the military influenced broader societal changes, setting the stage for landmark decisions later on. Now, there's more to it though, right? There's more to it. We first have to understand exactly how we got here. And one of the main ways we got here is because President Harry S. Truman had the 1948 executive order. So President Harry Truman had decided that we need to integrate the armed forces. And that in of itself was already a historical milestone. It was a recommendation from his commission on civil rights, but it was the Korean War that would actually become the catalyst to the situation. Because the conflict served as a major driving force, a sociological um, force contributing to the need for racial equality. Um, there's a lot of citation that had determined that when men were fighting side by side in the hole, on the line, in the trenches, facing bombardment, gunfire, flames, every weapon known to man, racism disappeared. Um, along, the, along the way, I had found a couple of quotes about how in the hole, men who became atheists would find prayer. And in the same way, men who were racist would find peace. Men who were racist would find equality. They would drop the segregation when they were dying and bleeding on the ground and it was a black hand being extended to them. They would grab it because they wanted to live more than they wanted to hate. But that kind of mentality would root into their heart. And later on, when they were better and they were fine and they survived the perils of war, they would go back home with a newfound sense of how to look at the world. So take, for example, the Battle of Kuniri. The Battle of Kuniri, um, late 1950s, had a ton of challenges for the African-American soldiers. Um, one of the soldiers actually ended up being a congressman, but he had enlisted in 1948, and conditions were crazy brutal. Freezing temperatures, encirclement by forces, and relentless firefights. But despite all of that, the African-American soldiers prevailed, stood their ground, and kept the men towed in line, saving lives. And while this was going on, would you believe it? While this is going on, on the Asian front, a lot of these African-American soldiers are being faced with false accounts of AWOLing, being stripped of whatever ranks they had tried to gain, being made out to be 
prisoners of war, some of them allegedly haven't even been killed in the lines by their fellow battle buddies and men during the war. So you can see that despite the fact that Truman had had the executive order to fix the segregation in the military, it didn't do anything to quell the actual hearts of men. And that was the big issue there. And that's why it was so impactful during the Korean War, because it wasn't just like America was having the easy way of it. It wasn't just like America was steamrolling. They needed their African-American brothers in arms. They needed those soldiers. They needed everybody they can get on those lines to support and back them up. And it would be that necessity on the lines that would lead to that first contact between African-American soldiers and Korean counterparts or even Korean allies on the same team. Because of course, you know, there was Korean Americans fighting against the Koreans during the Korean War. So, you know, when you think about the Korean War, a lot of people are gonna think, okay, there was a small skirmish. What did it really do? It was a couple of years, one of the smallest wars, a low body count. I mean, how much impact could it really have? But ironically enough, it is the Korean War that had did more for segregation and racial inequality as it relates to the military than arguably any war before or after. And the symbol of that in of itself is ironically the fried chicken. That fried chicken only came to be because the segregation was dropped. A major driving force of Korea's economy, a major driving force of their culture, something that has directly led to their capacity all came from the calculation, the three C's right there, of Harry Truman and the Civil Rights Board. Their calculation made it an initiative to bring black forces, African-American GIs onto the front line. Those African-Americans and the GI, GIs on the front line brought with them assistance and gifts. Those gifts integrated themselves into the Korean society. Throughout class, you know, we have been taught a lot about how war had much impact outside of just, well, we take your land, I take your land, the bombing, the nuclear weapons. But, you know, when I really sat down and looked into this, I found that it was very apparently true. Um, it's so interesting to me that really a lot of what Korea has to um, owe to America has come from the African-American GI more so than anybody else. And I think it's important to highlight these things when we look at history because, well, I think there's not a, lot of, not a lot of credit being given out for that. When I was doing my research, I had an incredibly difficult time trying to actually find proof of this interaction. I found Alton Brown, which was the initial catalyst for me being able to find more evidence. And then I was able to use Alton Brown's name to pull up papers that were backing. Then I was able to find sources and citations from there. And eventually I did find enough academia to suggest that it was pretty obvious. But there's no like front page news, first search bar Google way to find information on this that is clear, concise and academically credible. You had to do a lot of digging. And I think in of itself, that is an injustice. In our class, we were taught that a lot of what we we're taught in history is false. It's wrong. It's taught from the wrong perspective. A lot of the important stuff is sifted out because the winners write the books and the books are there to make the winners look as good as possible and all that extra stuff is useless and i think that i think that this project really showed that to me the impact that the korean war had on both african-american gis korean and americans as far as relations is massive even in my research i found argument that it was the korean war that directly led to brown versus board of education 
it was the Korean War that led to African-American GIs being protected when they came back by their fellow white GIs. So, in conclusion, I hope that you enjoyed this session with me. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about the Korean War, fried chicken, and its place in that society. Forging Frontlines and Fried Chicken was the title of my topic, and I hope that I have hit the nail on the head and shown the cohesive and tight bond both the Frontlines and the Fried Chicken had with each other. Signing out, this is David at the Life Jacket in the Ocean podcast.